0: Do anything get busy living, or get busy dying.
1: So can you? Zed's dead, baby.
2: This was my dream. you something really
1: bad. I have to go home. Yeah, you may be a superhero, buddy, but you're not invincible.
2: You are home. You gonna be lying for a week?
1: I was trying to be romantic.
0: Go to the coast, we get together, have a few laughs. We will not go quietly
1: into the night. Let me take
0: what our lives, but the they'll world. never take
1: I'm Mitch.
0: And I'm Stephanie.
1: And we're the the Film Underdogs. Underdogs. Welcome back to Film Underdogs. This week we're going to be talking with Ari Wanless. She's a local writer, animator. Uh, Welcome, Ari.
2: Hi. Good to be here.
1: So we met Ari when we were working on the 48-hour film project with... Derek Willis uh, this last year, and we had the chance to get to know her a little bit, find out more about uh, her writing, and so we thought she'd be a fun guest to have on. We were kind of curious. How do you know uh, Derek?
2: I didn't. I didn't know anyone there. Oh. Um, I had never done anything in film before. I had not met anyone there. But I was on Facebook at the right time and someone was like, hey, we're going to do the forty eight hour film festival and we're looking for volunteers. And I was like, that sounds fun. Nice. So I went out and I did it. That's oh, so nice. pretty
1: much how we found it too. Yeah. Okay.
2: I think I was in the same boat as you guys, actually. Oh, cool. And I, you know, no regrets. It's one of the most fun weekends I can remember ever having.
1: <laughs> it definitely has also opened up doors to the that- were needing to be opened up for us as well. So it was a, a great weekend, a lot of fun. And uh, to actually come out of it on the other side and be able to do some other projects too, that's that's a great thing. Have you had any projects come up because of that?
2: Actually, not because of that directly, but I did sort of the same way. I just was like on Facebook at the right moment. I got in touch with some people who were making a musical and needed extras who could dance. And I was like, "It's a paying gig to go be an extra for a few days nice. and be on a film set. That sounds exciting." And so I went and I did it. And uh, Derek was actually working on that, and so was Myra. So those are a couple of the people that were on the, were the, that were at the Forty Eight Hour Film Festival with us when we did Now Open. And so I, you know, I knew a couple of people there by the time I was there, and I learned a ton on that set. And I actually like got kind of field upgraded to to PA from Extra because I was just putting what I learned in the 48-hour film festival to the test nice. and being useful wherever I could figure out how to.
1: That's a good thing. Uh, the 48-hour film, film festival is really good for getting to do things that you don't normally get to do or outside of your uh, scope of knowledge, and it just needs to be done, so you end up uh, getting to do lots of other side things as well.
2: Yeah. I felt like the 48-hour film festival was a really, it was a really great way because I've read about filmmaking. I know a little about theoretical filmmaking, but I had never been on a film set before. I'd done theater, so I kind of had some sense of it, but I'd never done any film before. And it was a really, really good way to just put a bunch of those theoretical skills into practical skills so that then I could hone those practical skills and use them again later.
1: Where did you get your start with uh, the theatrical stuff? Were you in college for it or high school?
2: Um, so I was actually homeschooled through uh, until I was 16, at which point I went to community college. And... I think that I was doing drama when I was, like, five years old or something. I was Obviously, I was five, so I wasn't doing it super seriously. And I wasn't particularly great at it. But it was just a group of a bunch of little children. I think it was probably more daycare and activity center than really theater. But I really loved the theater aspect of it. And then I didn't do much theater again until I was 15. I did a few plays with that group. They were terrible plays. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible. I think I have some of them on film, and I'm pretty sure that I would die if I watched it.
1: Well, in this day and age of everything being online, yeah, that's something you probably want to keep to yourself, you know?
2: (laughs) I should probably not have told you that. I should probably destroy the evidence. (laughs) That'd be a good plan.
1: Well, or, you know, wait until you're rich and famous and then say, oh, yeah, look at this silly fun thing, you know, and then charge, oh, yes. so like, 20 bucks a dollars. Yeah, <laughs> sell them for, like, 20 bucks a DVD. You know, everyone will buy them.
2: <laughs> I think it'll just get leaked and become a viral YouTube video. <laughs> Except that they wouldn't even be that interesting to watch. It'd be, like, one of those viral YouTube videos that really only goes viral because people talk about it, not because they want to see it.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I, I honestly think it's most uh, viral videos is uh, stuff that is interesting for two seconds and it gives you something to talk about, but it doesn't really know. have a substance to it, you know. Once in a Chuck while they Testa. do, but...
0: Chuck Testa was a piece of art. Which one was that? I guess I missed that one.
2: I bet you thought this is giraffe was real. Nope. It's, just a, it's a weird taxidermy commercial.
0: Oh. Wow. I feel so out of the loop with YouTube stuff. Oh my gosh.
2: <laughs> that's where I spend most of my time. I you know—I haven't seen X-Men or even the latest Game of Thrones, but man, I know what <laughs> they are talking about. Oh, yeah. i today.
1: <laughs>
2: that's funny, because that's out of date.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh... That's right. I'm as far out of date as you can get for the most part, so, But with the
0: the Chewbacca mask lady, when I first saw the video, I didn't know anything about it being popular. I just, someone shared it, and I was like, oh, cool, Chewbacca mask! (gasps) Chewbacca! That's all I saw. I didn't think, I didn't know about it being popular. Yeah.
1: And that's actually one of the few uh, viral videos I actually did like. I thought that was pretty funny.
2: There are, I mean, there's a lot of viral videos that, that are pretty cool, in my opinion. There was one that went pretty viral that was, um, that's actually really not even very funny. It's just beautiful. It's this, this advertisement by the New Zealand Department of Motor Transportation or something. And they have this anti-reckless driving ad that's that it was designed to go kind of video viral and it did a little bit for a little while Mm -hmm. and that's, you know, so there's, it's a whole art form in its own. Right. And there's a lot of crap out there, but there's a lot of good stuff too. Like with anything. Yeah.
1: Yep. I uh, have come across some really good videos on various topics. And then for the one good one, you're going to wade through 20 of them that are, eh, You know, they may have a little bit of good information, or they may be funny, but they're not, like, really great.
0: And then you find uh, that
1: one that makes it worth it, you know?
0: Not like, what does the fox say, you know? Oh my god, that tops the... that tops everything, (laughs) right? I guess? Sometimes (laughs) I wish
2: I had a a refresh button in my brain, or, like, a close tab button, (laughs) because...
0: Yeah, I had forgotten that that
2: existed and I was okay. like
0: <laughs> I am so sorry. Oh, you're killing me, smalls. <laughs>
2: oh, I'm getting a knock at the door. Hold on. Okay. It's the cops. Right back. Okay. They've done something wrong. Oh, no. I forgot to put up my on air sign. Whoops. It's all fixed now.
1: Well, that's good. That's good. So Where were we? Oh, we were talking about YouTube and oh, an unmentioned for
2: hours. Yeah, I you could don't need to be talking about YouTube for hours.
1: No. Well, we saw that you have uh, some animation up on YouTube.
2: Oh yeah, what's up there? <laughs> <laughs> it was oh, some reels up there, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it is. Oh, it's gosh, pretty cool. That's
2: very out of date now, or I guess it's not. I updated it in 2016.
1: Well, that's good. So what kind of animation uh, stuff do you like to do? Well, honestly,
2: I went to animation school and I don't think I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm doing film now, and I think I like that a lot better. That works. Um, I learned a lot from animation school that really, really applies to film. And I like the overlap in that. But I don't think I like doing animation. I really, really, really respect animators, though. They're really impressive people. (laughs) (sighs) Like, wow. The people who made Inside Out, and the people who made Aladdin, and the people Hmm. who made all those animated movies that tricked me into thinking I wanted to be one of them. They (laughs) are... I have a whole new respect for them from animation school. And I was doing the easy animation, the 3D animation, the hand drawn
0: stuff. Whew.
1: Yeah, animation is really, it's time-consuming and you better love the art because you're going to be spending a lot of time looking at any given piece to make it all work together. And when you start talking about, even for uh, like the stop-motion stuff, you're talking a full day's work and you get like three seconds of video if you're lucky, you know, it's, it's all of that effort. It takes so long to get such a short thing down that it's very impressive whenever people do it and do it well.
2: Yeah, and animation is one of these incredible tools. I really, really, someday in the future, I want to work with animators. So I love that I went to animation school and got a chance to understand how it works on a very primitive level. And so that I can talk to animators in their own language later. Because I think I mentioned this, you know, when we were working on the 48-hour film festival. Big head that I have. I'm on my first film set. And I'm like, someday I want to direct.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, Nothing wrong with that. You helped with the writing. You know? I
2: I really don't
1: think I did. My recollection
2: of the... I'm amazed I'm credited as a writer on that. But I'm not going (laughs) to knock it. (laughs) <laughs> because I did sit in the writer's room
0: for yeah a while
2: doing the thing but basically when I did the 48-hour film festival I showed up for the writing of it and the people I was there with doing the writing with I just gradually was like I don't want to do this at all I don't want to be here I don't want to I think I'm in the wrong group this is not working this is horrible everything's bad <laughs> and I you know kind of spiraled and was crashing, like, this is a mistake, this is the worst thing ever, don't do this abort! And oh. I came back the next morning for our, what was it, five 4am call? Something like that?
1: Yeah, something like that. <laughs>
2: and the script was written and I looked at it and I didn't like it at all and I was like, whatever, this is the movie we're making now. Now we have a movie to make. I don't have to decide what movie we're making and then be disappointed every step along the way. I can be like, okay, this? Let's make this as well as we can.
1: Yeah. So what would your ideal area of film be?
2: That is a complicated question. One, which I am refining.
1: <laughs>
2: um, I currently feel as if I thrive on the feng shui of the set. Which is to say, keeping, just keeping everything moving, keeping everything organized so that it can be moving, keeping everything where it needs to be so that the people who shouldn't be distracted by it aren't distracted by it. And that answer is very vague. So I guess I'll, I'll go with um, PA maybe or like stage mm-hmm. manager position. That's where yeah. I'm feeling very happy and, and comfortable right now. Is like just making sure that that, what is supposed to be working is working ultimately I have TV shows I would like to make and direct so I would like to write and direct them
0: I kind of remember you talking about some of them <laughs> like the problem yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah I think I talked about them a lot because I tend to do that because I get really excited. Or I get really clammy and just don't talk about them at all. Mm. Those are my two modes.
1: So I think you're happening? in uh, you're in good company for that. Uh, we're both kind of that way.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I remember the one. Am I allowed to mention one of them? Is that okay? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I remember you said one that's like Battlestar Galactica meets West Wing or something like that. Oh god, <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: how I was describing it then. Yeah,
0: yeah. Not <laughs> so far off. Honestly. <laughs>
2: Um, that one's gone, is going through a few permutations. Uh, right now I haven't even written a treatment for it. Mm -hmm. Like the more I'm being on set and being annoyed by certain things that writers do, the more I'm understanding that, holy crap, I do those things as a writer. (laughs) So it's all coming into focus now, (laughs) but now (laughs) that it's all coming into focus, I'm incredibly busy. So it's all coming into focus, but I can't do anything about it. Yeah. But yeah, that one, Captain and Captain, that's sort of secondary right now. I'm actually working more on Silver and Cypress, which I don't know if I talked to you about at all, but that's kind of my surrealist... Okay, surrealist is, wait, taking it too far. But, um... How do I describe this one? I think Dragon Age Origins meets Twin... Peaks meets mm. Steven. No, no, not that. Yeah, I went too far. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. It's, um, Dragon Age Origins meets Avatar The Last Airbender, the TV
0: show. There we go. Okay. Cool.
2: If That probably doesn't mean anything.
0: <laughs> well, only because I never watched Avatar, but.
2: You're okay with cartoons?
0: I know. It's worth it's Oh, yeah. It's worth it. I know about it. I've seen, like, clips and stuff, but just haven't watched it all the way through.
2: What I always liked about that show was that it was never just a kid's show. It was a story, and it took the entire show to tell that story, and it was worth it. It wasn't, like, a children's cartoon. It was, like, an epic
0: about kid. Hmm. Might have to look that up. Just don't look up the one by M. Night Shyamalan.
2: (laughs) I didn't even watch that.
0: I just (laughs) heard it wasn't... I knew
2: that they weren't going to do Avatar The Last Airbender, and they weren't going to do it well, even if they tried to. So I just didn't.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. But you do enjoy writing. What's your process with writing? I know everyone's different with their process, but what gets you started on it? Hmm.
2: Well. And, I mean, you should bear in mind that I call myself a writer because I write a lot, but anyone who's really a writer should probably finish stories, and I've never figured (laughs) out how to do that. Right, yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) as I answer this, bear that in mind. How I get started with a story is usually I tend to find something some, it's, oftentimes it's a feeling. It's so that this is hard to describe, or it's like a notion or a set of behaviors that I feel evokes some kind of a pattern, and then this really, really calcifies as I focus on that and I think about that, and I'm like, how does this change in perspective? How does this mood, like maybe sometimes it's a mood I feel grumpy or angry, and I'm like, how? could I function as a normal human being if I felt this way most of the time? If this was who I was as a person? And then that gets, you know, fictionalized and turned into a character who has this certain sensation that I can associate with them, and I can think about them, and I can get into their headspace, and I can be like, okay, here's someone who is always, or at least most of the time, Rigidly and tightly controlling Anger How does that Necessitate You behave If you are going to accomplish all of these Tasks that I want Or if you are going to be this person that I need you to be For the story's sake Sometimes it's for the story's sake Sometimes it's for the character's sake And that always really is a hard one to decide Oh yeah But it always starts with the character With a sensation With Maybe sometimes it's a moment in time. It's not even a character. Maybe it's, like, who would be most impacted by a moment of intense awe? I have the on-air sign up, and now I'm getting knocks again. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, a recording studio so. or at least my recording studio is the room right in front of the shower <laughs> So uh, We may We have to have let people through sometimes uh, And suffer through noise I apologize
1: That's okay uh, It happens We can edit all that kind of stuff out anyway Dude nice So One thing that we've become over the course of doing this podcast Is fairly decent editors So
2: <laughs> Dude Nice you want to edit my YouTube series? Yeah. It's not very exciting. Because it's <laughs> lead footage.
0: I would do it. Dude, just... do you want to? <laughs> yeah, for experience. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, that would be so good. Yeah. I've been streaming
2: weekly. This is this is another one of the projects. I just want to learn how to do on-air um, production. Hmm. But since I'm the only one who cares about the stream... No one is asking me to do anything cool, so I'm just like, okay, I'm going to turn on the button, we're going to play a bunch of League, and I'm going to turn it off. <laughs> so I'm just not motivated to learn this stuff. Yeah. And I would be, if it were some quick, do a 48-hour film lesson thing. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much right up uh, Stephanie's alley, so you guys should definitely get together on that.
2: I would not mind getting together and talking with you, perhaps after the interview. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like potentially awesome cool beans I was actually considering doing like a whole series of very basic beginners guide to league stuff because I have a few friends who haven't played every single champion like I've played every single champion and it would be nice to just be able to link them a video explaining all of their all of their abilities in easy terms
1: Which game is this?
2: Oh, uh, that
1: helps.
2: (laughs) This is League of Legends.
1: Okay. I haven't heard of that one. Interesting.
2: Hmm. Uh, a couple years ago now, I got really into League of Legends, a game that my brother-in-law introduced me to and now doesn't play anymore. Oh. (laughs) But a bunch of my friends started playing around the same time I did, and we we got we managed to learn how to play together so i'm stuck nice. it through and now now i play this game a lot
0: so <laughs> i think i saw your first time you s- you streamed it live oh, yeah. actually <laughs> yeah it's
2: not very exciting i haven't found a way to make it fun yet cuz all i do is stream i've released 3 videos 2 videos maybe hmm. and you know they're they're not bad they're not unfun to watch i just like don't know how to watch my own videos and understand what's funny because I was there.
1: Yeah. Well, something I found over the course of uh, helping with a couple projects, doing makeup, that kind of stuff, this ties back to any kind of artistic endeavor. Okay, whether you're trying to write, uh, put out videos, um, whether you're directing a short film, a full-length film, whatever, Uh, whether you're acting in it, it all ties into one thing. Most of the time i found that people overanalyze specifically what they're doing, and they look at it and think, well, that's just garbage. I don't know why this should be up there. It's not good. You know, Personally, whenever I do makeup, I look at it and all I can see is the flaws. And when other people look at it, they tend to look at it and see all of the positive aspects of it. Even if there's some issues, they look at it and go, well, it's only going to be up on the screen for a short period of time. So it doesn't matter if there's flaws. It looks good, you know. And I think that kind of ties back, that experience ties back to any kind of artistic endeavor when we're looking at it, we're our own worst critic. And so, you know, you're looking at your video going, well, it's not funny. Why would anyone watch it? And, you know, kind of with the writing too, you had mentioned that and it, it's one of those things where I think the important thing is to get it out there and kind of build that fan base for the videos. And then also for the writing, it's important just to, get stuff written and kind of work your way through that uh, process of self-hatred when you look at your own stuff, you know?
2: Definitely. I think that another thing, um, I think that more what I suffer from isn't exactly self-hatred. It's a little bit more, I think it's the same thing, but I think that it's a different, um, association with it when I went to animation school they did talk about this phenomenon called shot blindness and it feels awful it's the worst feeling in the world it's so it's so utterly frustrating to not be able to see the goal anymore like basically animators spend you know or at least animation students, I guess, <laughs> uh, spend four weeks staring at the same damn thing, looking at it, analyzing it, critiquing it, minusculely moving it. And it is so incredibly easy to just forget what the goal was, really. You can say that you're making a walk cycle, but what does that mean? And you just sort of lose connection with You're just trying to make it look like this guy is moving from this place to this. You get all tangled up in the whys, the hows, the whats, and not the goal. And then you start trying to fix something bad you see, but you're not working towards the goal anymore. And so you're kind of... You're shot blind. And you're making mistakes.
1: Can't see the forest for the trees.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yep. You're no longer big picture. You're analyzing it. You're in the wrong place to be able to enjoy it. Yep. You are (laughs) in the place where you are improving it. Which is exactly where you need to go sometimes. But you need to be able to get out of there. And what I suffer from is definitely just kind of getting stuck and getting lost. Like... In my own writing, I find it's, I don't hate what I write. I just also can't quite come up with whatever it is that it needs. And that's, you know, that's frustrating. And sometimes when I step back, I realize that I don't, it doesn't need anything. I just couldn't, I couldn't enjoy it because I had just spent so long trying to make it you know yep Mm -hmm. and sometimes other people read it and immediately i can tell because of what they missed what i didn't quite get across when i was writing something they read it and they're like wait i didn't understand what happened here and you go "Oh, oh that's what it needed and you suddenly remember the dramatic arc and what what the audience needs to feel at certain different times in order to get that sensation you were going towards and you get back to your goal. I find a lot of things with filmmaking are very much made easier just by having a red team. Red team? Oh, um, sorry. Uh, red team. It's, um, I think it's a news term? And it means someone on the outside. Mm, you have yeah. blue team, or whoever, build up a news story, and then you have someone who's never heard any of these facts start picking it apart as much as they can to see if it's a robust story. Okay. And I feel like a ton of things in film are like that. To some extent, it sort of feels like film is this strange place where people take turns making up something crazy and waiting for someone else to say stop
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. And I, I, I think, think
2: that's really helpful for a lot of creative people honestly
1: there are a lot of really good movies out there and a lot of really bad movies <laughs> out there and I think the good ones are the ones that were able to work past those people saying stop and they're going no this is good And knowing when to trust your instincts, but then there's a lot of movies out there that I think, just a lot of media out there that I really question why someone didn't say stop a lot sooner than what it was, (laughs) you know? You end up with a um, movie, a book, a video on YouTube, whatever it is, that... Someone really should have said, "Hold on, is this the best way to do it?" You know, commercials are really bad about that. You look at them and you kind of go, "Wow, someone greenlighted this thing." You know.
2: Um, I mean,
1: and I think in a in that case, a lot of times you have, I uh, I don't know, I could get into that whole thing. <laughs> and that's not what we're here for. <laughs>
0: just not really sure how to add to (laughs) that yeah yeah
1: you know there's a lot of people who just take things in a different direction that's like you know i just kind of question why someone wasn't going hold on that's not quite right but you know that's all right it's uh it's good when you have those people around you though to say this works this didn't or i was i I was um i was listening to something on how to tell good stories and they were kind of talking about having your stories listened to or have people read them outside of your like you and your significant other someone who really has an emotional attachment you know and okay hold on just a second we've got a train going by
2: okay
1: if it's not your thing it's ours you (laughs) know I was hoping we were gonna beat this, but you know, that's alright.
2: Sorry about being later than anticipated. Eh. But we it, can edit out the train. We've talked
0: about this.
1: Yeah, yeah. We end up doing this any time a interview gets past eight thirty, we know that okay, we're gonna have a few minutes of uh or a couple minutes of uh downtime on it, you know. The train,
0: the train. The train! The (laughs) train! Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So have you done much film editing or have you mostly been doing audio editing lately?
0: Mostly audio editing. I I don't know. I get so indecisive with things and it's something I... uh, it's hard to like do projects on my own. It seems like be easier when I collaborate. And yes,
2: that's like exactly what I was saying about the film thing earlier. Yeah,
0: because um, when I, I mean, sure, I could go out there. Like, I only have like my iPhone, my iPhone for video um, recording. So sure, I could go out and about and re- record random stuff. But then that's even. My brain is like so indecisive. I'm like, I don't even know what I would do. And so I'm thinking, oh, I'll just go get stock footage from like our, there's like a web- website called archive.org or something. And it's like tons of stock footage from like old movies and home movies and news stuff and commercials. And, mm-hmm. but then I still get indecisive where I'm like, uh, like I had an idea the other day of, like, hmm, I am I like coffee a lot, and I think of it like cocaine. So I was like, oh, I'm going to find a bunch of coffee commercials and get that together and then have people, like, looking like they're high on something, like high on cocaine. But then I couldn't find footage with people, <laughs> like, looking crazy or something. So I'm like, I don't know what to do. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> I just, like... It's a nice little ongoing battle in my brain when I'm doing stuff on my own like that. But if someone's like, oh, we're doing this here. Here's the footage. Yay. Okay. You want this? Okay, cool. I'll do this. <laughs> and I, that's yeah. I don't know. Like,
2: that moment of suddenly you're doing a thing until someone says to say stop. Yeah.
0: You yeah. Need to
2: stop doing the thing. Yeah. And that's like, I think that that's how film seems to work the best. You just need, someone needs to run headlong. Until someone else says stop. Mm hmm. Yeah. And that's how things get done because it's so hard. There's kind of this theory I have of like when you're working for yourself and you're making your own art, that can be really fulfilling, but you're always digging. Yeah. If you're working for someone else's art, you're usually building a bridge. Yep. To try and get to whatever it is they're doing.
0: Exactly. Because for me. Oh, sorry.
2: Those are really different experiences, and both can be very fulfilling, but if you're just digging all the time, you're not making anything cool, you're just kind of making a hole in the ground.
0: Yep. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because I'm quite a perfectionist, and it just drives me nuts. <laughs> it's going to
2: be a really round, perfect hole.
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I, that's
2: going to make it take even longer. Yep.
1: I think that's where you need the people around you to tell you when things are good enough, though, too, because... Uh, with my makeup, I could take forever to do whatever the makeup is that needs to be done, but then, which is great and it'll look great, but then, you know, you run out of time doing that, you know? So you've got to balance that out between the, when it's good enough or what needs to be done, you know?
2: Yep. So. It's definitely, it's definitely one of those important things. And there's a saying, again, I. I learned a lot from animation school. I didn't like the animating, but I liked the education. Hmm. There's a saying that animators don't make animation. Deadlines make animations.
0: Hmm. Yes. Deadlines.
2: Deadlines are such a mixed blessing. Yep. I don't, I don't at all believe in my own deadlines and I can't <laughs> follow them. And I don't give them to my, I don't, I give them to myself and they mean nothing. But right. But I those deadlines, I will meet freaking just like, to the T.
0: Exactly, and mm-hmm. I will
2: feel so good about that. Mine, I'll just be like, you set ridiculously unrealistic <laughs> expectations.
0: <laughs> oh
1: my what gosh! Were you
2: thinking I would do.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that sounds vaguely familiar. <laughs> <laughs>
2: what you went to bed at 1.30 and you think you're gonna wake up at seven thirty? Mm-hmm. What were you thinking? You're gonna yep. sleep in as long as you can because shit, you need sleep.
0: Mm-hmm. Or just lots and lots of coffee. Yep. And,
2: and you know, the thing is, if someone else had been like, call time is thus and such o'clock, and I have decided that I need to get up at 7.30 for it, it would be happening. Yep. And I would then, tomorrow, feel terrible and make sure to sleep enough that if I have to do again, it would be, it would work. Yep. Yeah. can't, I mean, approaching your own life and your own world as if the director says will kill you. So... I'll just deal with the fact that I don't take my boss seriously when my boss is myself.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep, That actually comes back to why we went from a a twice-a-month podcast to a a once-a-month podcast. Because we were running ourselves into the ground. We had no time to do anything other than work on the podcast. Every other week, we were either editing or we were recording a new podcast. And it just got to that point where... On the weekends, there was no such thing as sleep, and so it became a very bad cycle there.
2: That's when you start to go crazy. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes Someday you'll get fast enough and good enough that you'll be like, okay, we're going to make this. Bam, 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 bam. But until you have all those incredible skills, some people can do that. I, I've seen it. It's crazy. It's yeah. crazy when it happens. really be looking for ways to shave time.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, and I think it goes back to perfectionism too, because I look at the podcast and I'm going, okay, I want to cut out this, 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 this. And so I'm going through each word at least two or three times before I decide you know, what's going to stay, what's going to go. So editing a podcast for me, I got quite a bit faster, but the faster I got, the more picky i was getting it's like okay well that doesn't work i want to make it better
0: yeah and for me i guess i'm just way more visual and that's why i have fun with video Mm -hmm. editing but with audio editing i just see the uh what is it the wavelength wavelength, and it's like that's pretty oh (laughs) um i like the way that one I yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, when you look at the wavelength, see if you can like, identify this one separately from any others. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like
1: yeah. Okay.
0: Thanks. Thank you so much. I'll be thinking of you in that moment.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my mama sold me four
0: oranges. <laughs> Yeah, it's just so tedious for me, but I, there are times when I enjoy it, and then there are times when I'm, like, trying my best, and then my cat is bothering me, and all these things bug me at the same time, and I'm like, thank you so much, you're making my life so much easier right now.
2: (laughs) Well, um, if you just want access to a huge pool of footage, and someone to ask for things... Boy, if I got the not-paying job for you. Oh, yippee!
0: (laughs) No, it sounds cool. Great.
1: Well, and that's kind of what she's been wanting to get into for a while, is figure out how to work on her uh, video editing skills as well. She had helped out on the 48-hour and then on the... Gignol uh, Fest. Gignol Fest project that we did, but it... You know, she doesn't have the final... She could put it together a certain way, but she didn't have the final say on it and didn't have that overall, okay, this is the best way to put the story together. It was more kind of line things out and then someone else comes along and changes it to their way of looking at it, you know. So it's something where it'd be nice to have a chance to actually see something that she's put together and um, kind of follow some of her own thoughts on it, too.
0: Yeah, it's like, I have the skill, but not the experience. Yep.
2: Get some practice. That's originally why I started the YouTube channel, actually, is I, wa- I wanted to teach myself editing. And yeah. I know the basics of it. I'm not very quick. I'm not very fast. I don't have any practice. But I But now I've taught myself as much as I wanted to know specifically. And I'm not practicing anymore because... <laughs> yeah. Because I'd have to watch myself play League of Legends after (laughs) I just played that game. Yeah. And listen to the silly things that I said once they're not funny anymore. (laughs) I'm not hearing them the first time. And you know, I'm gonna go get a coffee instead. How about (laughs) that? That's how my
0: editing goes at this point. We get it done with the podcast, but then there are the moments where it's like, oh, I hear this joke. You know, I'm going to get to hear it five times in a row so I can get that um out of there. Oh, you're so funny, Stephanie. Oh, I love you. (laughs) Hearing myself. That's great. I'm going to hear this later. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Welcome to the meta chamber.
1: (laughs) Pretty much. Oh, what I was saying about the story writing, it's good to have that group of people outside of your immediate family or immediate friends to say these are the things I have questions about about that story or this didn't quite make sense if they still have questions at the end of it that's something that you go back and kind of tweak to make your story more complete do a test runs a video and stuff or movies that have test audiences and it does kind of the same thing they can look at it and say okay What about this worked? What didn't? But the problem with video is there's usually not a real possibility of going back and saying, wait, there's this huge gap that people are questioning. So, hey, let's get everyone back together and reshoot this thing, you know?
0: Well, if it's a big budget, they they do that. But, you know. Not uh, all the
1: time. Sometimes they should, though. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Top
2: Gun. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah, there's one scene in Top Gun where the lead, I can't remember her name, But she's wearing, like, a hat and her hair is all shoved up in it because they had to bring her back to shoot and her hair was a different color. Oh, man. So they had to, like, dress her specifically to hide that in one scene. Wow.
1: Yeah, I remember remember hearing about that. Yeah. They do it on occasion, but sometimes the um, cost of doing it, especially if you have a big budget person or just a very small budget. You don't have the ability to go back. Or in the case of the Gignol Fest, what we had put out for that actually just needed like one or two scenes added and a couple of things maybe taken out so that there was a twist in it that ended up creating a impossible twist and it just didn't work. And you could do it without the twist and still make it just as good, but there was, like, more scenes that need to be added to it. But it's kind of like the 48-hour, uh, but you have 72 hours to get the film done, and no one wanted to get back together to make that a complete movie afterwards, so it ended up uh, not working as well as what we had wanted, you know? It is what it is. We all learned something from it, and that's the important bit.
2: Yeah. It is what it is. Yep. And I mean, sometimes it's as, sometimes writing is as simple as that, like, or any, really any art project, you forget to tell someone what the premise is, or you forget to set up for the punchline, basically. If you think of storytelling like a joke, you're telling every, you're telling the audience everything they need to know so that the ending means something. Yeah. But if you don't tell them all the right things, the ending means nothing. You can't just say 2.30 and have it be funny. You can't yeah. even start rambling about where you were that afternoon and then say 2.30. That wouldn't be funny.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean,
2: it's funny because I'm hilarious,
1: but... <laughs> well, of course. I mean, hello. We... You also
2: can't just be like, the perfect time. I'm going to go and walk into this building and tell someone, it's 2.30. I mean, what? <laughs> Where is the joke? This makes no sense except that you guys have the information that I'm talking about a dentist. It's as simple as that. You just sort of lose perspective of of what the goal was and, and setting up the big pieces. The little pieces are so fun you can get lost in them before you, they are ready to manifest.
1: And that really boils well, down to any kind of art. You can get lost in the details so much that you're not stepping back and going, wait am I building everything up around it that is the important and more visible stuff you know so you're going to be back on the 48 hour this year is that what i'm hearing
2: that's the plan
1: that's very oh, exciting I
2: request the time off from work though
1: that's a good idea oh yeah uh-huh. yeah that would probably be a wise move yes probably be a good plan i need to do <laughs> that as well <laughs> let's
2: all make a note of <laughs> time off from work
0: forty eight hour. Oh, dear. What day is it going to be on? Filmmaking is July 29th through July 31st. Yeah, because I think last year it was, like, into August, right? The first was the last yeah. day.
1: Yeah. it seemed like we uh, got out a solid little short film. You know, I was pretty happy with that overall. Yeah
2: lot of things right. We also did have a good time. I'm not really sure that I would want to show that to other people. <laughs> Mostly because I had some hand I guess I did have some hand in writing it. I feel a little weird about it. A little. It's weird. I have so much trouble going back and keeping any of my old work.
1: Yeah. And that's that's kind of where I was going with the stuff I was talking about earlier was, you know, looking at your own stuff is kind of weird, but then other people aren't seeing it the same way that we are, you know? I look at my art or my old makeup pictures of it and stuff that I've done, and I'm just sitting there cringing, and everyone else is going, well, that's really cool. It's because you're so personally involved in it, and that's an expression that has come out of you. From a writing standpoint, I'm sure, more it's. Not all entirely you, it becomes this odd mixture sometimes, you know, because it's a collaboration more.
2: I mean, maybe. I didn't, like I said, I didn't have too much involved in the collaborative aspect, but there's something a little freeing and a little bit, it provides a little anonymity when you're collaborating with other writers. You don't yeah. have to. It, It relieves the pressure, you know? (laughs) It's like, oh, whew, this is terrible. Maybe it's Jim's fault.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. For this year's 48 hour, I am hoping not to be sick. And then also, uh, if it's going to be at his place again, he does have air conditioning. So that's going to be nice. Um, And then also, I think I'll be... Hopefully more out of my shell this time. And not be like, a no, I'll be good. I've gotten better about that stuff, so.
2: Being sick and editing basically means you're not going to talk to anybody, which is a little sad. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a little, I'll be real, it was a little sad.
1: I know. Do you think I'm out of my shell more as well? Because for that one it was kind of hard because that was my first time out working doing anything other than just you know Halloween kind of stuff I'm a relatively shy person to begin with and then to be thrown into that it was kind of difficult but you know it'll be fun to get back together with some of the same people and uh, do it again
2: Agreed Mm -hmm. I am not really shy but I always believe I am before I just start doing a thing it's is a little hard to just explain. Yeah. <laughs> I always really worry I'm socially awkward, so I I end up explaining things far too much or maybe it's enough and I just worry that it's too much.
0: I do that too. Yeah. Yep.
2: Kindred spirits. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but it tends to serve you well if you're like the PA which I always gravitate towards, because they're the person who, like I said, they deal with the fe- the set's feng shui. It's, it's useful when you can be that person who's just like, yep, I'm terrified. I have no idea what I'm doing. What do you need? <laughs> that was my deal. I was just like, I've got no idea what it is I'm doing. Tell me what to do. <laughs> oh, you need a thus and such. I will figure something out. <laughs> How big yep. does it need to be? Okay, gotcha.
1: And that's a good thing. You know, you found something that works for you and that you're good at. And that's, there's a lot to be said for that.
2: I'm currently in the process of doing a bunch of data entry for a script. Someone, I find, I get to read a script that someone else sent me. And I'm like, okay, if I were in charge of this project, <laughs> here are all the things that I would want in a spreadsheet. <laughs> so now <I'm> not- <laughs>
1: <laughs> so if you were talking to someone who's just starting out in filmmaking and writing PA work, any aspect of it, any kind of advice that you would give?
2: Don't be afraid to keep it simple. Oh, you know, I I can do this one better. First you have to do it. Then you do it well.
0: That makes perfect sense. Yeah. But remember,
2: it's first you have to do it. Yep. Then you do it well.
0: Mhm.
2: I'm getting that tattooed somewhere in my body.
0: <laughs>
2: I discovered this piece of advice, like, shortly before I got dreads. Um, the dreads are gone now, by the way. They've been oh, gone yeah. for, for a couple months.
1: I was gonna yeah. ask you about that, but...
2: <laughs> no, I, I was done with them. They were a really good experience that I... May do the I may do a dread thing again at some point, but better because I did it once, and it didn't turn out well, but I did it. maybe I'll do it well later. I went through a bit of changing during that period, and I decided to do dreads, which I'd wanted for many years and I'd never done, and I always always talk myself out of and I kind of came up with this mantra for myself: first you have to do it, and then you do it well so. If I were giving advice to anyone else just starting out in this, that would be my advice. Just don't be afraid to to do it. Or do be afraid, but do it anyway. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yep. That's, That's actually, to me, the bigger part of it is it took me so long to get my foot in the door at all because I was afraid to start. I was afraid of not doing it right, not doing it well, and... Uh, honestly being laughed at or whatever, you know, and this isn't the stuff that actually happens Mm -hmm. generally, but I was afraid to put myself out there and actually do it and just stepping past that fear and saying, Nope, I'm going to do this. I've got something to commit to. And it helps when you have something small like a 48 that you have to be all in, you have to do it. You're doing multiple things. You don't have time to think.
2: You don't have time to do it well. Only have time to do it.
1: Exactly. And that's Mm -hmm. the
2: thing. That's like the phrasing of that advice is so specific. It's first you have to do it. Then you do it well. You can put so many different emphasis on it to mean I feel like every motivational thing you need.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I like that. That's good advice.
2: I don't know I don't know when or where I'm commemorating it with a tattoo, but I am.
1: Nice.
2: Because that is uh, advice that I think I would like to keep with me for my
1: whole life. Yeah. it's good advice. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, you probably saw, but I just got my first tattoo a couple weeks ago.
2: I didn't see it. Oh, you didn't. very active on Facebook. What? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, it's, no, was it on your leg? It's
0: on my, like, inside of my wrist, kind of.
2: Oh, oh, boy, I saw someone else's tattoo, wasn't it? Someone yeah. else's feet had a leg thing.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I got like a stegosaurus uh, skeleton. Do <laughs> you
2: know yeah. I at, uh, well, I feel like it's weird to look at pictures if we're still doing an interview though, because your viewers won't see them.
1: It's okay. More importantly, the clackety clack of the keyboard, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, fair enough.
1: Yeah. But that's okay. Alright, well, I think we're going to wrap it up. Uh, Do you have a website or anywhere that you want to send people to see some of your work?
2: Well, apparently, I'm going to have an editor soon, potentially, (laughs) for my YouTube channel. So let me just bring up... Let me clack-clack the keyboard real quick. (laughs) And bring up uh, a URL. Yeah, that's my YouTube channel, which currently has a few League videos, but I'm hoping to expand what's up there to short films, experiments, I don't really know. Right now, I'm sticking with, the, with the, the League videos until until I at least finish one of the projects I'm working on.
1: We'll definitely get that up on the show notes so that people can come over and check you out. Great, thanks.
2: So, Every Friday at six, we're very consistent.
1: That's good. That's good. Yeah, and it'll be fun to see what you guys can. uh, Between you and Stephanie, what you can put out there beyond that. Let's see if we can't beef up some footage. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Now if there's something up my alley, don't be afraid to uh, let me know, guys. Right now,
2: I'm just working with video game models, and I don't think you can put makeup on. It, but... <laughs> yeah, but not at the you know moment. But... <laughs> if you can figure out how, I mean, that sounds pretty cool.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> what that means.
1: I I don't know what that means, but <laughs> okay. it's all right.
2: So you are mostly still in uh, makeup effects, not like beauty makeup?
1: Yeah, mostly effects stuff. Uh, The beauty makeup I haven't gotten into. There's other people who are a whole lot better at it than I am. So I kind of have stuck to what I know and what I'm good at. Well, thank you for being on, Ari. We really do appreciate it.
2: Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so
1: much. Yeah, it'll be fun to work with you on the 48 again, so that'll yeah. be uh, something to look forward to, and, you know, we might get a few of the people together for a uh, podcast afterwards if things work out. Just kind of a debriefing kind of thing. Everyone get together, have fun with it, you know?
2: Sounds like fun. I'm looking forward to both.
1: <laughs> good day. All right, have a good night, and thank you for being on.
0: You too. See you. Bye, listeners. <laughs> oh, man, let's talk about films. So this week on Film Underdogs, we watched the movie Silver Linings Playbook. It's actually pretty much my favorite movie right now. And it's basically about a man com- right coming out of a mental institution for treatment for some erratic behavior on his part uh, from an incident that occurred with his wife and uh, he's coming back into society after being there for eight months he's trying to better himself as he says for his wife to work on their marriage and he just wants to improve for her as he says and he lives with his parents and they're trying to take care of him and they have their own stuff they're dealing with and then he comes across character Tiffany and it helps him, you know, focus on more important things in his life just hanging out with her and taking the focus off of his mental illness in a way and she she also deals with some stuff with uh, some mental illness stuff I would say and they kind of you know click together because of that and he pretty much discovers who he is a little bit more because of her and just what he experiences after treatment. I think it's a really unique look on uh, romantic comedy I mean I wouldn't label it as a romantic comedy it's kind of just I would say it's more of a coming of age story for someone who is discovering themselves later in life which can happen so that's how I see it we're going to talk about this movie and it's going to be great y'all going to love it so much
1: Yay. the main character was Pat played by Bradley Cooper. Tiffany was Jennifer Lawrence. Pat's dad, Pat Sr., was Robert De Niro. His mom, Dolores, is played by Jackie Weaver. A friend that he meets in the institution is Danny. That's played by Chris Tucker. And this was written and directed by... David O. Russell, and based on the novel by Matthew Quick. It came out in 2012, and it was nominated for 146 awards, and it had 87 wins, including the Golden Globe and Oscar for Best Actress in a Leading Role for 2013. And Jennifer Lawrence took that. So I would say overall it did really well at the box office and at the uh, different award ceremonies. Where do you want to start on it?
0: It's clearly his dad is where it all started for him with the like mood disorder stuff with bipolar, like just because his dad has major OCD and is very in denial about it.
1: Obsessed with football.
0: The Eagles. Philadelphia Eagles and I think he might have bipolar. I don't know because he had an incident at a game where he exploded and beat up a bunch of people or got in some fight so I don't know how that plays but of course that does play into Pat's Behavior, uh, erratic behavior at times, where he just explodes and just yeah. kind of just sees red and doesn't care about what's going on around him and just boom.
1: Where he got is from his father, obviously, yeah. because his father is, like you said, very OCD and has probably the same thing. In the movie, they called it bipolar. In the book, it's questioned as to whether it was... Uh, specifically named as one disease or another or disorder or another I haven't read the book yet I don't know what they refer to it as that whole aspect of the movie was rather difficult for me to watch because I've personally been in situations that are like that times ten and So, while this is a very simplified version of what's going on with bipolar, at the same time where you've dealt with this kind of stuff in various aspects, it's still kind of difficult to watch, and that made it uncomfortable for parts of it. I enjoyed the movie, but there were parts of it that were way difficult to watch. This isn't going to be one of them that I can just put on the repeat and just watch over and over. Because it's just... It... Touched too many buttons, you know? Oh, okay. So you had that whole aspect of it. And his mom seemed to be the only relatively sane one in the movie.
0: Exactly.
1: She was definitely trying to keep things normal and... Peaceful and trying to stop all of the nonsense. And then you had Tiffany, who lost her husband. From that, you can see a very definite depression, and she became very uh, promiscuous, slept around in her office to the point of losing her job because of it. So she's trying to deal with her grief by finding comfort in being near someone... Just trying to find what she needs in order to make sense of it all.
0: I think she was my favorite character, though, because she was so honest. She she tells it like it is, but with no filter, basically. She was just really the extreme of it.
1: Yeah, I think there may have been something else at play, too, other than just depression. But through the whole movie, the only color she wears until the last scene is black
0: oh yeah that's right
1: and then in the last scene when they do the dance she's wearing a it's white a uh, white dress and she as she's walking up to the stage to do the dance she takes off the black and it's a symbolic moving forward
0: that's a cool way to look at it I didn't see
1: that before <laughs> that's cool So through the whole thing you can see the depression and she's working her way out of it and then by trying to make a friendship with Pat and they're trying to find how to move on past their lousy luck with just life in general up till that point.
0: Yeah, I just was thinking the reason why Tiffany acts out a lot you mainly see it when she is with Pat and I think it's just it, he brings it out of her because of how he's um, reacting to what she's saying and how he thinks about himself and thinks about his mental issues and is kind of in denial of himself and is a little bit focused on the wrong thing. I mean, where he just keeps thinking about things are going to work out with his wife. He's doing it for his wife, his wife, so they can work out. And his mind is so set on that. And so she gets frustrated. So frustrated with him saying, you're crazy. And it's like, well, look at you. Got to look at yourself a little bit. Figure out yourself before you start judging me. Well, I'm thinking of the restaurant scene.
1: There <laughs> but- were quite a few scenes really where they have it out. But I think it's what both characters needed. His friend Danny... I'm just curious if you've ever noticed this. The first couple times they show him, they almost make it look like it's an imaginary friend. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, When he's getting into the car, the mom's going, what is this? And looking at him rather than looking in the back. And we're leading into a bike club kind of situation with that. Schizophrenia? Where it's, yeah, there's...
0: Well, that's multiple personalities, what am I saying?
1: Well, multiple personalities pretty much covers it, but it kind of, to me, that's what I thought they were going to go with. And throughout the movie, you see that, okay, wait, no, other people are talking to him, so obviously (laughs) he's actually there. Yeah. So I don't know if that was intentional or not, but it kind of makes you question his sanity a little bit, you know, because this person who we haven't seen up until the time he's in the car, you know, it... I don't know. It's just something that uh, <laughs> yeah. I got kind of hung up on at the very beginning of it. Mm-hmm. Mind you, I've only seen the movie one time, so I don't know. Maybe it's more clear each time through, you know. I don't know.
0: I've only but. seen it twice, but I just know it so well somehow. <laughs> I mean, it's still, I own a copy of the Blu ray, and it's still in its. Rapper, I watched it on Netflix when I watched it the second time.
1: This isn't your uh, Die Hard, then. Okay. No, I haven't watched it it
0: over a hundred million times. It's
1: not a hundred million. It's like (laughs) two hundred.
0: Chris Tucker, like yeah, Danny, because Pat was saying, you know, he had this thing, this thought that the whoever the wife was with that she cheated on him with um, that they're plotting against him and embezzling money like where he has all these conspiracy theories like st- people are out to get him and I thought that was just like some kind of form of like schizophrenia but he was saying that it's something to do with bipolar and I guess I just need to like read up on it a little bit more because I didn't know that was part of being bipolar unless that's just a fictionalized possibility that they've worked into this?
1: Yeah, I think that's what it kind of was because I was poking around in some of the things, looking at different aspects of it before this started. I think it's, if you read the book, it's probably going to be a little more clear as they're going to take you down a road. I think for the movie, they felt like they needed to have a name for it so that people would understand what they're talking about. Yeah. Because it doesn't make sense unless you have a name for it or I don't know. One of the things, it was a big aspect of the, towards the end of the movie, was the dad betting everything on the eagles, and it all depended on uh, Pat being there with them for good luck, and there's this whole luck thing through the whole thing that Pat doesn't buy into. He believes in the silver lining. You've got to work for the silver lining, and that's how you get it. And I uh, I didn't like the whole gambling aspect of it, which it's an OCD thing, and I get that. That can be part of what's going on there. But what I didn't like is the nice, pretty rapper at the end of it saying, oh, everything works out. The Eagles win the dance all comes out the way it's supposed to and everyone just walks away happy and that was almost for me a little bit too sugar-coated of an ending. De Niro's character through the entire movie kind of grated on my nerves because that aspect of it where he's putting everything down on just this one luck thing go way over the end you're not going to bet everything you have on that. You know, and maybe that was the whole point, is he's going way over the end. But then he has a sane moment is talking frankly to his son and telling him what he needs to do with his life. And so, I don't know, that part of it didn't work for me, but it definitely added attention to the whole thing, but it just felt like a almost a false tension, you know They shouldn't really have ever gotten to that point, but that's just my opinion on that part of it
0: For uh, the gambling aspects at the end I think it, maybe just he has an addiction to gambling and maybe just, what was it he got fired from, I don't know what kind of job he had, but I guess it was a job he had for a long time so he went into well they called it booking, but it's Book making bookmaking, book yeah. so that's like placing bets and stuff?
1: Yeah, it's basically taking bets from other people um, and he's going to his bookie to make these bigger bets and you know, it just it was taken to a point where it kinda took me out of it and I'm going I wasn't I wasn't drinking the Kool Aid on that part, yeah. but you know, I wasn't just kinda going along with it. But yeah. at the same time, it did add extra tension to it. It just almost felt a little hollow. It felt like it was tension that really kind of shouldn't be there, so it didn't feel as... Uh, it didn't ring as true for me. And honestly, Danny's character, I kind of had the same issue with him, is if you would have been there for more of the... For a few more scenes, other than just popping into meet the family which I thought was a little bit odd that all of a sudden he's just there with the family and everyone's just oh okay well it's him and he's here okay no big deal and then he shows up randomly at the um at Tiffany's house and teaches him how to dance I felt that that was too convenient it's too easy of a turn to say okay, well, you have a African-American in your film, and so obviously he knows how to dance. Oh. And maybe that's something that they were trying to play with and going for that stereotype just to kind of poke at it and say, okay, well, this is what some of the rom-coms do, that kind of thing. But it just didn't feel as uh, true. Now, I do like at the end their big finishing move, just felt really weird and uncomfortable yeah. and it was like even in the uh characters in the film were are looking at it going um what is that <laughs> you know
0: yeah <laughs> yeah no I kind of yeah I get what you're saying about Danny's character I think I was just kind of like Everything was clicking for me whenever I watched it. I just kind of just, it just went along with it. And I don't know, I was just, it was all working together for me somehow. And it still does.
1: That whole aspect of the movie about all of the obsessive behaviors. And his son was obsessive too. He obsessed on Nikki, his wife, Mm -hmm. who clearly, by being caught in the shower with a another man clearly didn't want anything to do with him and so he's obsessing over this and a lot of these points are like hitting home a little bit too much as much as I didn't like certain aspects of it I think part of the reason I'm more critical of it too is the fact that I'm you know I've been personally through a lot of different stuff in my life and I think everyone has. And like you were saying earlier... Oh, to
0: my friend about... Oh, to Mike. Yeah, to my friend Mike. Everyone has a lot of crazy stuff going on in their heads that they deal with, but some people just uh, can't handle it and deal with it in different ways.
1: Yeah, (laughs) trying to figure out a way to deal with uh, mental issues can be difficult, you know. Yeah. Um, I've been through a lot of things, like I said, personally that... I don't know, I think I've been close to needing other stuff than what I've done, you know, and I've just worked it all out, and I've gotten lucky in that aspect, but I honestly think that it was just by sheer luck and force of will that I didn't go down another route, you know, and... So this movie, even though it takes a light-hearted look in a way at a lot of the mental illness issues, it does take a look at it and it gives you a feel of the chaos that it can be dealing with that and dealing with that obsessiveness and that um, all... Uh, just craziness that can happen in your head and make you do things that normally you wouldn't do the big thing was he was looking for his wedding video and couldn't find it and he was getting obsessed over this because of part of the stuff going on with Tiffany and so he, he couldn't quite accept what was going on he needed to get back in touch with that so he went to look for his wedding video he couldn't find it tearing through the house screaming, yelling and just obsessed with it and they can't get him to calm down the police end up getting called there's this whole huge uncomfortable scene, he ends up hitting his mom and him and his dad get into it and hit each other a few times and it's that kind of stuff that when you're in it, you can't really always figure out a way to get out of it. Yep. And I've been there. I've lived around a bunch of people who um, have various degrees of needing some help, you know. So, yeah. while we are talking about the movie that brings up a real point you know, if you need to talk to someone call a friend call a call a psychiatrist do what you need to do but look at a way of uh, um, taking care of that problem because it's not going to generally just go away on its own
0: Yeah, and you're not alone, too. I mean, it took me some time to realize that, but um, I guess I'll go into this, because, like, yeah, uh, the reason why this movie is one of my favorites, and it just is kind of, like, a comfort, is because, yeah, I deal with some stuff. Like, I have anxiety issues and, like, maybe sometimes depression and stuff that comes up and... It just, I guess I was able to relate to it in a way, even though I didn't, you know, I never have those exact behaviors. I just know that I have, like, some kind of connection because they're going through stuff, too. And, uh, like, one of the things that hit home was, like, the character Pat was talking to his therapist saying, I didn't even know that this is what this is and that this is how I can get help with it and work through it and stuff and you know uh, that's how it was for me for like, growing up and everything it was like I don't know what's going on my parents didn't know what was going on they thought it was a phase or something and it's like nope this is a real thing and yeah and uh, therapy helps you know I mean cause it's like someone you don't know and, uh, someone who doesn't know you and they're totally unbiased and you can just talk about whatever, just talking about stuff helps for me. So, (laughs) you know, uh, and I think going to therapy is healthy in general, even if you don't have like a mood disorder or mental illness, it's like just to relieve stress and to figure things out in your daily life. It helps, you know? Yeah. But, uh, Yeah, sure, the movie was showing the extreme moments of uh, their... I mean, I don't know, like, sometimes I don't know the difference between a mood disorder and mental illness. I mean... Well, bipolar
1: is basically saying that you're on the top of the world one day, your emotions are... You're feeling the extreme highs, the really happy, everything's great, everything's perfect, but then you're also experiencing the Extreme lows. Yeah. And so it's changing back and forth. And sometimes it's not even going from full extreme to full extreme, but you get these major mood swings up and down. And it's difficult when you're going through that on your own or you're around someone who has that going on. Yeah. And especially when you don't know what it is. Yeah. Because frankly, I don't remember ever hearing bipolar until probably the last. 10, 12 years, something like that. And I'm sure that term was out there before that but I never really heard it that much.
0: (laughs) We're getting into the it's like mental illness and stuff and like people are more aware of it now and it's a good thing because there's more help out there. It's like for people to realize there's, you know, a lot of help. I know we we already mentioned stuff about getting help but do it.
1: Well, and it's
0: It's hard but do it
1: it is hard and sometimes especially whenever it's happening to you it's hard to see and it's hard to see beyond the immediate issues and the immediate stuff and you know I go through and I'm sure a lot of people do but I go through what I like to call a free-floating depression there's no reason for it. I'll be just fine and everything's going great and then all of a sudden I'm just down yeah. and I am not happy with the world and don't know why. Everything's good. Yeah. But usually you know it doesn't last very long for me, but it's there. Yeah. You know, and I went through my phase of when I got divorced there was Couple of years of let's just say bad decisions that were going on, and mm-hmm. you know life was not good, but you work your way through those things and you work through those times and I went and I got help you know i did I uh, talked to a therapist for a while because I needed to get that out in a manner that wasn't going to end up with me in jail. Or in an institution because I tried to beat someone in a shower, you know, because they were with yeah, my wife, right. you know, which is what happened in the movie. Yeah. But it's those kind of things that it does come in handy to go talk to someone, even if it's not a therapist. It's just mm-hmm. a friend, a neutral person who has nothing to do with it, but's willing to listen to what you need to say and. Uh, help you get through that definitely if you're in those situations make sure to get some help and for that matter if you're in the situation that the mom is in which is a husband that is OCD and has all kinds of problems and there's bipolar there and then the same with the son you know I kind of felt like she would also be needing to talk to someone just to get rid of the She was very meek and mild, and she really needed to have someone supporting her as well who could look at it and say, okay, hold on, no, back up, let's just talk about what's going on, you know? Yeah. So.
0: I know we're going into this more than the movie, but, or the last thing was, like, yeah, I, like, a big thing is being afraid of being judged, Mm -hmm. and that people are going to say, you're, you're not okay, it's like, it's who you are, you know, and you'll get through it, and, um, it's really based on, you know, how you're going to cope with it, and, you know, uh, basically balancing it out, and, um, I don't know, there was, like, that one word, and I can't remember, (laughs) uh if it's medication if it's talking if it's pot you know because it does help medical marijuana it does help with relaxing i mean
1: and in oregon and washington it's legal now so so. why not i personally don't have the ability to do that because of the job i'm in oh yeah that's right it's still a a major no-no in my field but if it helps, it helps. You know, as long as you're not doing a safety-oriented field or something where it's going to lose you your job, then maybe that's an answer to the situation or at least a way to take some of the edge off of that situation to where you can start looking at it a little bit different. Yep. And for that matter, just getting out of that situation, if it's only for a weekend and going somewhere else. Oh, yeah. You know? And one thing I did like about the way he tried to improve himself, and that was what the whole movie was about, is improve yourself and work hard and you'll get your silver lining. Well, it's overly simplified, but he did read a lot, you know. And jogged. And jogged, and he was doing the things he needed to do in order to improve himself even though he was doing it kind of for the wrong reason, yeah. <laughs> he was at least still trying to make himself a better person. And that's what you've got to do. You've got to take that first step towards being a better person. Well, it goes back to what Aerie said. you got to do it first and then do it well. You know, you've got to do it. You've got to make that change. You've got to step out and say, no, I'm going to be vulnerable to... Someone and... okay, I'm going to step out and be vulnerable and make that change. Go talk to someone. Do find out what medication can help, whatever the situation is. And that first step is always going to be the hardest one to Mm -hmm. take. And yeah, we are talking about this more than the movie, but... This is what the movie brought up for me. Yeah, definitely. And this is why the movie was hard for me to watch. Because I remember going through a decade of bad times, you know. Or more than that. get that, yeah. You work hard and you try and find that person who's gonna help. I don't necessarily think that taking one bipolar person and one depressed person and smashing them together (laughs) is gonna make one perfect person and make a happy situation, but You know, maybe it will. You know, maybe it's a matter of finding that person who brings out the best in you and helps you improve what you need to improve on. And you help them improve on what they need to improve on. And, you know, go out there. You can find your Pat or your Tiffany or or your good therapist that likes the sport you like or whatever. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But you've got to make that step to... You've got to make the step to improve. Whatever form that looks like for you, you know?
0: You were saying, oh, it seemed like a fluffy ending where everything's happy. I guess one way to look at it, even though in a way it was a Hollywood ending, that's probably showing a moment when they're happy, but I guess it's like that with every movie. Where it's like, you don't really know... What's going on after this? What's the 10 years after? Yeah, up. it's like they did, you know, figure stuff out that... Or he figured it out that, you know, he was in love with her. and.
1: and um, with her ending, I can understand her ending actually being a little more positive because she did lose someone and she was trying to find someone to help just be a friend and be there for her and um someone to be more but the first thing she really did need was a friend yeah you know and so it was on her part of it i can see where that could be a happy ending Yeah. on his part he's got to fully let go which she basically did i i think what could have uh improved the ending for me would have been one small thing of the wedding ring whether it's just dropping it on the floor uh, throwing it in the garbage can as he's walking out toss it back to her to Nikki or something to get rid of that reminder on his hand
0: oh, throwing know. it at the house that would have been good
1: well yeah but they were outside of the dance studio oh, or right. the yeah, where the dance took place at so it's like just anything in that moment to say, okay, wait, he's actually breaking the bind. That would have, to me, helped a little bit. But I guess that would have tipped off what was going to happen once he got outside and followed her. So, you know, yeah, that's okay.
0: Pat still has to deal with his mental disorder mm-hmm. and and be able to, you know, control it and all that. She has to deal with her stuff still, so, you know, they just happen to work well together somehow and all yeah. that, but they still have to deal with it.
1: And just because you find your happy ending doesn't mean the um, journey's over and everything's going to be good. It means that's the beginning of the next step and you've still got to work on it. It's always a journey, and pretty much until we die, the journey's never really over, And everyone has flaws, and so, you know, I honestly think that you're not going to be done until you're done, you know. And then depending on which spiritual belief you buy into, you know, then maybe it's not even done then. You just get to go back around for another shot at it, you know.
0: Now I feel lame for saying it, because it's like, we're talking about the movie, not (laughs) like... What's gonna happen after? Oh, it's like yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's like it ended all happy and.
1: Well, and that's fine, you know. It's a story. Stories are supposed to say there are better times ahead, and I thought it did. Yeah. I may not have agree with exactly how they told the story, but it told a complete story. It's saying they went from this point of being totally out there and just not able to deal with it to. Finding that other person who kind of shares your crazy and understands where you're coming from, you know. I mean, they hit it off over talking about what medications <laughs> they were on and what it did to them. Yeah. So, I mean, they started sharing that part of it and, you know. So, they found someone who plays well with their inner demons and they started from there. You know, everyone's got to find a starting point, I guess. Yeah. So. Yeah. I really liked the jogging scenes.
0: Me too. Uh, Her coming out
1: of nowhere. Yeah, Hi. she just popped up at him and yelled at him, and I actually really liked that. I thought it was a interesting aspect. The whole movie basically is designed, I think, to keep you off your guard. You know, it always is supposed to feel just a little bit off kilter, no matter what's going on. Um, I think a lot of the dialogue was the same way, because. You never had... I don't think there was a dialogue in the whole movie that didn't end up with someone upset about something, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so there was always that conflict, and it came back to people dealing with all their inner emotional turmoil. Yeah. But the jogging was fun because they used that to move the story along as well, especially whenever they're jogging along and they end up at the restaurant. And he's like, do you want to have dinner here?
0: Yeah, one... The dialogue was just so... I thought it was creative and not cliche at all. Like, I mean, David O. Russell... You know, is definitely... Well, he's the writer. <laughs> Boy meets girl. And then stuff happens and they're in love. Yay! It's like... It was just a really unique take on a love story. Because it wasn't all just a love story. There was all this stuff in between. And, you know, it's also character development, too. And... um puppy is dreaming somewhere
1: (laughs) for you listeners at home that's palkor our new puppy
0: (laughs) one line of dialogue that i like because i don't know why (laughs) when uh they go on their date or whatever to the restaurant he goes over he walks over to her place and It's this whole like elaborate scene to me because the the music is on on spot and then there's like a camera shot of going around him and then she's walking up from Out of the Shadows and then he's like, Happy Halloween. She's like, Hi. (laughs) And they just go on. But it's just like, it's just great because they're just not cliche characters at all. They're just who they are.
1: I think my favorite line of dialogue out of it was the one that we used for the uh, opening on Film Underdogs and our music, the intro. She says, you let me lie to you for a week. He responds, I was trying to be romantic. (laughs) And I just really like that. That's like, I think probably my favorite line out of the entire thing. Just because it's such a... It's such a weird uh, a weird moment and a weird line. Okay. But it's interesting and it's full of emotion that's powerful. And it boils it down to who they are at that moment, you know? Yeah. So I thought that was very cool. The other one was actually from De Niro. Even though I didn't really like that aspect of him in the movie... When he's talking to his son at the very end of it and he says that life puts these moments in front of you and you've got to make the right decision, it's a sin if you don't respond to that moment and you don't respond in the right way. I really like that. That's a powerful statement. It's saying, you know, these moments come along, only a few of them in a lifetime, and you've got to make the right choice whenever they come along. And there are life-altering choices that you have to make, and part of the growth cycle that we've all got to do, and dealing with all of the inner stuff, whatever you're dealing with, is finding those moments and making the right choice at the right time
0: man, you have a lot more to say about this movie than I do and it's my favorite movie, but <laughs> you are more of the talker than I am. I'm more of the thinker. I just, like, think and then I'm like, how do I say this? Oh! I love this movie. It was really good. I don't know what else to say about it. It was unique. and Yeah.
1: Alrighty, then.
0: <laughs> That's how it feels sometimes for me, where I'm like, I have a lot to say about it, but how do I say it? Put it into words. Let's put it into noise. Oh my god, I go, i to go with the Yeah. Jennifer Lawrence is amazing. I've I've enjoyed her acting since I saw her
1: Yeah, I've always enjoyed the stuff that she's been in. Yeah. The few things I've seen her in has been good. How many stories do you give in this one?
0: Gosh, I don't know. I guess like five or more.
1: <laughs> yeah, I kinda of figured that. I think for this one it would have to be probably four and a half even though it was really uncomfortable I think that's why it's actually as powerful as it is and even though it's not like one of my top ten favorites it's also it's well done and it definitely gets that across but throughout the whole thing One thing I did appreciate is the fact that they brought the humor, even though it wasn't... They didn't try and pull it off as just an absolute rom-com. But they didn't let that negativity and lower side of it go too long without giving you a laugh and giving you a second to breathe and say, Okay, it's alright. It's going to be okay. And that's very important, Wherever you're building something up. If they would have gone too deep into that, that could be a lot darker of a movie. So they were telling a good story and saying what they needed to say, but they were giving you a chance to relax and laugh and breathe also at the same time. I thought it was really well done. And I did like the fact that it wasn't conventional. The dialogue was not your normal dialogue. You don't have the very structured build of the whole thing. It just felt more natural. Oh, yeah. More hectic and crazy and whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Uh, Did you have anything else you wanted to add on it? No, I don't
0: know. Because I can't come up with the cool words. and I just liked it a lot, you
1: know? Well, and we did talk about a lot more than just the movie and worse comes to worst, if you guys have no one else to reach out to, you can always reach out to us here and we'll talk you through whatever we can help you with. I mean, whatever you've got to do to deal with your inner demons and getting through your moment, you know, I really do say that you need to do that. Because it's it can take you down or it can build you up but it's all up to you and how you decide to deal with it in the moment and it's not easy it's never easy no one ever told me life was going to be easy you know I don't think anyone's been told that and if they have been they've pretty much been lied to they need to talk to whoever it was because that ain't right if you need to reach out to us reach out to us, reach out to whoever you can and see about taking that first step to change things up a little bit you know but anyway happy happy so (laughs) alright so our next movie is going to be a movie that one of our previous guests is on Uh, if you remember a few episodes back Wes Ramsey was on the podcast and he starred in a feature length movie and we've got a copy of it And we're going to review that for our next show. The name of the movie is Badass Monster Killers. So it sounds like it's going to be a whole lot of fun. It's got its uh, B-horror movie thing going on. So, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun to take a look at it and see what's being done by our local people here in the Portland area and I believe this was also shot down in California if I remember right but uh, it's just the local people that actually have been on the show or local person, you know so it'll be a lot of fun to watch that and then see what we think about it in the end we will pop up a link to the site so that if you guys wish to uh, go out gotten buy it you'll be able to do that support our local people around here that'd be a great thing
0: hey listeners be sure to follow us on twitter at film underdogs or go on to our facebook page film underdogs
1: be sure to follow us on itunes or stitcher beyond pod whatever podcast player you use we'll be there always remember to follow your dreams
0: and stay inspired don't even realize there's a serious cosmic struggle going on right under their noses. Unspeakable evil that lurks on the threshold of reality, waiting for any opportunity to enslave mankind. I'm Jimmy Chevelle, and I carry a badge for the Department
1: of Supernatural Security.